Hi, everyone. Thanks for checking out the Thrive Podcast. We are the Young Adult Ministry at Maranatha Bible Church, and we meet on Wednesdays at 730 in our Family Life Center. If you enjoy this podcast, we'd love for you to post it to your Instagram story and tag us at NBC Thrive on Instagram. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy. God, I pray that we would fix our eyes on you tonight. God, like Mike said earlier, that we would leave behind distractions. God, all the stuff that's just bugging us tonight, bothering us, things that are waiting for us tomorrow or even tonight, God, I pray that we would just get rid of those tonight just to focus on Jesus. God, we love you so much, and we thank you for this opportunity to be here tonight. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You guys can have a seat. So I want you guys to think with me for a second. Just think of the best advice that you ever got. Maybe initially you're thinking about maybe your parents. Not your parents. Never mind. Don't think about your parents. Think about maybe your friend, someone you look up to, a mentor maybe. The best advice you ever got. And why was it the best advice that you ever got? Probably because it worked. Probably because you put into practice this advice that that person gave you and good things happened because of it. Sometimes we seek advice from older people. Sometimes it's more of a friend, shoulder to shoulder. Um, But I just want to ask a question, and I want hands. I actually want hands. Who has ever got advice that was just horrible? Like the worst advice I ever got. Well, I mean, I've got some bad advice. I've got some good advice. Um, My dad, one time, I don't know if this is good or bad advice. Honestly, I think about it all the time. I have three older brothers, and I was downstairs in my basement. I was probably about eight years old. And I was sweeping, and he came barreling down the stairs. And I mean, my dad, he's about this tall, and he's a little round, and he's just, he's, believe it or not, he's very intimidating. He came barreling down the stairs, and I was like, ah, I was caught in my tracks, and I stopped. And he came running up to me. This is, I don't know if this is the best advice I ever got or the worst advice I ever got. He said, your brothers are stupid. Don't be stupid. I said, you got it. And I think my dad retired from parenting after that. That was the last advice I ever got. So uh, since I'm nine years old, I've been, your brothers are stupid, don't be stupid. So I watched them. No, but sometimes we get advice that's just horrible. And sometimes it's advice that it sounds really good. It's got a big word in it. It's got something that you're like, that will work. But it doesn't help you at all. And sometimes it comes from maybe like someone who's like 80 and they say something and you're like, that is brilliant, but it doesn't work. So I get advice sometimes from a guy who's pretty old. If you want to bring up the picture on the screen, this is an old guy that I get advice from. (laughs) That is uh, one of the senior citizens that live in my neighborhood. He's about 64, I think, 65. Um, And bring up the other picture. This is him in the morning. And... uh, (laughs) No, if you guys were here a couple weeks ago, Mike put a picture of me looking like Mario, so I just had to do him dirty like that. But yeah, Mike, that's bad. I mean, you look like you're about 50. I don't know what happened. No, but sometimes we get advice from it's maybe an older person, or we get advice that just doesn't help us. And a lot of the times in my life, I've read the Bible, and I've tried to get something from the Bible, and it sounds really good, and it worked for somebody else. And it seems like it's working for the people at church that are raising their hands and they're always smiling and man, they've just got a nice house and a nice family, but it didn't work for me. And I read it and I read it and I read it and it sounds really good. Like if I put this on Twitter, it would, I mean, it would get a ton of likes or retweets. I don't have a Twitter, I don't know. But it looks really good, but it didn't help me. It didn't do anything for me. And this piece of scripture that we're going to focus on tonight. It's four verses. It sounds really good, but the more and more I read it, I'm like, what do I do with this? 
And I kind of just want to set the stage tonight of this, these four verses that we're going to study is to just really think about these four verses. Don't just take these four verses from what I say tonight, what I might put on the screen, anything that you might get, but think about these four verses that we're going to study the next 20, 25 minutes and think about them tomorrow, think about them for a week, and hopefully these four verses can become something that's helpful. But before we get into Colossians 3, if you guys have your phone over, we're going to get into it in a minute. But I want to bring this word up on the screen. And this word, it might bring you pain. It might bring you misery. It's the word waiting. Waiting. What comes to your mind when you see that word? I don't know if you know me super well, but I'm really calm. I'm really just laid back. No, I'm not. Uh, That word has caused me more pain in my life than most other words that I can think of. Anytime that I think something's about to happen, it seems like God wants me to wait just a little bit longer. He wants to show me just one more thing. And ever since I was a kid, waiting is just not something that I ever wanted to do. I never was like, can't wait to wait, and just sat there and was just excited to do it. It was always something that, that agonized me. It was, it was terrible. I don't know if you guys ever swam at a park. I think it's like Talmadge area. It's uh, Monroe Falls. And I used to swim there all the time as a kid. And about 1, 2 p.m., the guy would get on the intercom. He'd be like, we're now taking a safety break. If you guys want to exit the water. And you had to come out of the water. And I was like, what is it? why? Like, we're swimming. What's this guy doing? And you had to be out of the water for, I don't know if any of you guys, I think it was like 30 minutes, 10, 15. It felt like a day. It felt like a day and a half. And so I literally would go up to the water. I would go to uh, I would go to wherever we were having our picnic. I'd eat like four Doritos. And then I would literally go and stand at the water like this. And I would be like, this is the water and I'm ready. And every now and then I would look over at the lifeguard and I'm like, I don't know if he's even watching right now. Like I have to. And I would kind of go like that. And I'm not joking. I was probably 10, 11. I can't remember how young I was. I heard, hey. And he had a, one of those megaphone things that, hey, the short kid with the orange trunks, don't get in the water. And he's screaming at me from like a mile away. And I was like, ah just because I just wanted to get in the water so bad. I hate waiting. And if you're like me tonight, maybe you're waiting on something tonight and it's just killing you. You're like, man, if I had one wish, it would be to fast forward to show me what I'm going to get, what's going to happen. Maybe for some of you, some of the anxiety that I have of waiting is finals for school. I did all my projects. I did all my papers. I took all my tests. And what do you do? Every five minutes, you go to your springboard or whatever college you go to, and you see if the grade's up. And then you're waiting, and then you're waiting, and then you're waiting. And some of you, you have been staring and stalking your crush for six months, and you are just waiting on them to make a move because God knows you're not going to. And you're just waiting on them to do it. Man, I've stared, I've stared at them for six months. Do they not know? Do they not know that I like them? And you're waiting. You're just in a season of waiting. So tonight, these four verses in Colossians we're going to look at, I want to keep in mind the context of while we wait. While we wait. What are we waiting for while we wait? And like I said, if I'm being honest with God, a lot of the times where I am mad at God, yes, you can say that, I am mad at God, is because he has me in a season of waiting. And he has something that I think is going to happen, I want it to happen, it's a desire of mine, but he said, not yet. Just not yet, man. Not yet. We're going to get there. It's going to happen. My promises are true. My word is true. Everything I've said is true, but not yet. And so just before we start in Colossians, I want to talk about just a couple things that frustrate me with God. And I hope you guys would kind of share in these things. The first thing uh, that I am frustrated with God is he is invisible. And we studied that in Colossians 1. Uh, We can't see him. 
If God was actually down, not actually the verse just referenced. Oh, I think I put that for the person who made it. No problem. <laughs> yeah, that's just, I just, I didn't want the whole Colossians thing up there. But if you, uh, if God was standing right here and he wasn't invisible and I could sit him in this chair and I could sit next to him and we could just talk, I mean, I would kill for two minutes. I need two minutes with God, just in person, two minutes. I feel like that would solve half my problems. He's invisible. We can't see him. It seems like we can't hear him sometimes. We, we're trying to look for him. We're trying to find what he has for us, but we just can't see him. Number two, the thing that frustrates me about God is I don't know his language half the time, more than half the time. He's trying to say something to me. I think, I feel it in my heart. I'm moved this way. I want this thing. I'm, I think this is the right thing about God, but it, it seems like sometimes it's just in Chinese. I don't speak Chinese. I don't speak his language half the time. I don't know what he's trying to tell me. And the third thing is that he said he would come back soon and he is not here yet. And this is more than just Jesus coming back. This is what I'm getting at of a timing thing with God. He said something, but I don't know when. I was talking to a friend the other night and we were talking about the promises of God and I can always turn back to scripture. I can always say this is true because it's written in this book, but a, lo a lot of the things about God, he does not give a timetable. He does not say this will happen this time. This will happen at this time. He doesn't do that. He says, I'll be there soon. He says, wait for me. He says, I'm coming. He says, I will get you. I will deliver you. I will help you out of that sin. I will get you out of this terrible circumstance that you came in tonight. I will do it. But he doesn't say when. And it frustrates me. It makes me mad. I just want to know when. So if you guys are in Colossians 3, we're going to talk about what do we do while we wait. While we wait for God to do what he said he would do. I'm going to read all four, all four verses and then we're going to talk about them. Verse one, it says, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So the first thing we do while we wait, while we wait, seek. It says, it's the second word, or it's the second sentence in that verse, if you have been raised with Christ, seek. Seek him. Seek the things that are above. Bring up uh, Acts 17 for me. This is a verse that Mike shows, uh, I don't know about all the time, but he, he likes this verse. I think he showed it in Thrive before. It says, and that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, yet he is actually not far from each one of us. And that last part is the part that you have to remind yourself daily. It's something that I have to remind myself daily. Because if you're honest and if I'm honest, when I am trying to seek God, that phrase even of itself, as I say it, seek God, I, I don't even know, I don't have 10 steps to tell you how to do that tonight. But when you're seeking God, a great reminder that I always have to remind myself is that Luke, he is not far. He is not far from you. Because Sometimes a Christian life is like this. I have my eyes closed in a room full of all these chairs and all these things, and I'm just going like this. And it says, and feel your way towards him. He's not that far, and I'm, I'm yelling sometimes, and I'm mad, and the next day I'm, I'm angry with him. God, where are you? And then I have to read his word, and I'm, I'm kind of just doing this all the time. 
And if, it seems like if I could just open my eyes, he would, he would be like right there. Sometimes I, I'm closing my eyes and I'm like, man, if I would just stop worrying about all these little things and just open my eyes, he would be like, I'm right here. I'm right here. He's not far from each one of us. And if you do not follow Christ in this room tonight, you say, I'm not a Christian. I'm just checking this out. I really don't know if I want to follow Christ, came with a friend or anything like that. I challenge you to think about that for yourself as well. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us, all of us. If you feel like something's tugging at your heart, you're like, why am I feeling this way? I feel upset. I feel kind of empty maybe. I, I have nice things. I have a nice life, but I just kind of feel something's missing. Could I ask you the question, maybe it's Christ trying to, to tell you something or to ask you something. He's not far from each one of us. While we wait, seek. Seek God. It says, while we wait, seek the things that are above. Seek the things that are above us. And we talked about this uh, when we did our heaven series. I remember when Mike was in the tent and it seems like all the time when we're on earth, we're always doing this. We're always looking side to side. We're going, man, they have nice things and they have a, a nice relationship and they have a good job and they already have their degree and man, they're all doing this and we're comparing, we're comparing. And God, all the time, he's, I think he's, he's challenging me and he's challenging you to go, hey, would you just look up just for a minute, just to see the things that are above, the things that I'm offering you. I heard a guy say one time that sometimes God has to put you on your back to force you to look up. And in my own life, I can tell you that that has happened plenty of times. And it seems like, man, God is just, this doesn't seem good. This seems like a, a bad thing that's happening to me. And it's God in his love putting you on your back to force you to finally look up to where he is. It says where Christ is. I think about sometimes uh, I struggle to read my Bible. I struggle to pray. I struggle to do all these things that are quote unquote seeking God. Because if you ask someone, anyone, hey, how do you seek God? They would say, read your Bible and they would say, pray. And when I struggle with that so many times, I'm like, if Jesus was in Georgia right now, he was in Atlanta, Georgia, Jesus is down there. I would get on the first plane, I would get on the first bus, I would run there, I'd crawl there, I'd walk on my hands there just to go see him because he's down there. And this passage is saying, if you would just look up and seek the things that are, are, that are above, it tells us where Christ is. He's seated right next to God. He's in heaven. So bring up the verse in Philippians 4. This is the things that are above. I really, I mean, I was struggling all week thinking about things, man, things. I had that circled in my Bible, seek the things that are above. And I don't know. And I found this verse in Philippians. It says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, Think about these things. Think about these things. So if you want homework, if you're like a homework guy, if you're like a homework girl, you're like, I just tell me what to do, I'll do it. Take everything in your life, your relationship, your friendships, what you watch, what you read, your school, your parents, everything in your life, and feed it through that lens and that filter and see what you come out with on the other side. Whatever is true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent. And just narrowing away the things that are just, man, they're just not good for you. They're just, they're draining your life. They're not giving you life. And seek those things. 
Seek the things that are above. Number two, while we wait, set your minds. Set your mind. That last verse I just brought up, it said, think about these things. And I don't have to talk very long to say that us as a group in this room, we struggle in our heads. You lose sleep because of your thoughts. You can't even focus on the conversation in front of you because of the thoughts going on in your head. I mean, how many times a week do I, am I speaking with someone and they're talking and I'll go, huh? And they're like, what do you mean, huh? Like you're you're looking at me and I'm like, I didn't hear you because I'm thinking about something. Our minds are 24-7, nonstop, they don't quit, and man, there's so much power in our minds. There's so much power, and I don't have to convince you guys that if you could give your mind or your brain a refresh button, you would do that. Man, some of us just need to wash our brains clean. I heard a guy one time at a, a conference, he said that his friend said that Christianity was like brainwash. It's like, I can't believe you guys believe that stuff. You read this old book, it's like brainwashed. You guys are like brainwashed. And he was like, good, because my brain needs washed. He's like, my brain needs washed so bad. And if you were honest tonight, if I was honest tonight, some of the thoughts we have, the motives we have, the things that we think about, they're just not good. They're not pure, they're not lovely, they're not commendable, they're not excellent. And our minds begin sin. Let me say that again. Our minds, they begin sin. So we think about things and then we act on those sinful thoughts. In Romans 7, it says, if you could bring that up for me, it says, I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. And if you've ever read Romans 7, it's Paul the Apostle who wrote this book, who wrote Philippians, Ephesians, all those letters. And this chapter, I mean, is heart-wrenching. He is... He is venting, he's pouring everything out, he's being the most honest he possibly can, and he's basically telling everybody, I'm terrible. I am absolutely terrible. If you guys knew what I thought, if you guys knew what I used to do, if you guys knew what I wanted to do, he is saying, there's nothing good that dwells in me. And then he kind of throws this curveball and he talks about the law of my mind making me captive to the law of sin. Our minds are powerful. Our thoughts are powerful. Our actions follow our thoughts. So while we wait, while we wait for Christ, while we're waiting for him to come back here on earth, it seems like we're kind of just stuck here. What are we doing here anyway? Why don't we just go to heaven? What's the purpose down here? While we wait, can we fix our minds and set our minds to things that are above? And like I said, I would love to give you guys 10 things of how to do that, but I think each individually it's different for all of us. What do I need to set my mind on? Is my mind constantly fixed on where I'm going in the future, what my house is gonna look like, where, who I'm gonna marry, what, what, how many kids I'm gonna have, what job I'm gonna have, what I'm gonna eat tonight? Or do I think about things that are lovely, things that are pure, things that are commendable? And I don't wanna give that sermon that's like, don't plan anything, don't, why are you worrying about your marriage is stupid like heaven? It's okay to think about those things. It's okay to think about the future and plan. But don't get caught up so much in the details of what is this going to be? What is this going to be? Sometimes in my own life, uh, it seems like I have to clean some of the stuff out of my mind before I can let the good stuff come in. 
Because I'll have these, this sin, like he said, this, this sin in my mind, this law in my mind, and I'll try to put things on top of it. I'll try, to, I'll try to put Bible verses, and I'll try to put good quotes, and I'll try to put good advice on top of it, and it seems like this stuff kind of just will kick that out eventually. It'll just keep kicking out the good stuff. And sometimes we have to just ask Jesus, God, would you just please just refresh my mind? Just give me a start over. Give me, wash it free. Wash my brain. Sometimes you have to get the old out before you put the new in. So my first job uh, was helping this guy fix up houses. I was 14 and he would call me. I was more of like the demo guy because at 14 you don't have any skills. So I'd just go in and knock a wall down, push a cabinet down. And uh, he would pay me like, I don't know, six bucks an hour to do whatever he wanted. And I was like, I'll do whatever you want. And uh, so I worked with him for like three, four years. And when I, I think I was a senior in high school, I might've been a junior in high school. It was a snow day. And I don't know how he knew. He was like, hey, heard you had a snow day. Come work for me. And I was like, you got it. I'm there. He said, if you can, bring three of your buddies. I'll pay them $10 an hour. I was like, cool. And so I got three of my friends. It was a snow day. He said, we're going to this house, and we have to move all this furniture. He's like, there's a ton of furniture in there. We got to get it out of the house, get it clean, and then someone else is going to move in. I was like, you got it. So I went to the house, uh, and I went to open the door, and it was locked. And I was like, okay, uh, maybe he's not here yet. So I just waited in my car for a little bit. 10, 15 minutes go by. I call him. He doesn't pick up. I'm like, what's going on? And I text him, and I said, I don't remember what the address was, but I'm like, one, two, three, this drive. And he's like, yeah, you're there. That's the house, the one with the blue door. I'm like, I'm there. So I went up to it, and I'm like, it's locked. And he didn't text me back, and I'm like, what do I do? I'm like, well, maybe someone's already in there helping. I'll go knock on the door. So knock on the door. Lady, she's about 104. She opens the door. And I'm like, hey. She's like, who are you? And I'm like, I'm Luke. I work for uh, Dave. And he's like, she's like, I don't know anybody named that name Dave. And I was like, well, he told me I was supposed to move some furniture. Do you need any help? She's like, no, I don't need any help moving furniture. And she shut the door. And I was like, wrong house. So I called him again. And he's like, no, you are at the right house. I'll be there in a minute. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> so I sit there for a minute and uh, uh, a keysmith pulled in, a guy to make new locks on doors. I was like, that's odd. Five minutes later, a sheriff came down, pulled in. We were evicting the lady. I mean, she had to go. So we evicted a 104-year-old lady. We kicked her out on the snow on a snow day, and we said, we're taking all your stuff. No, it's not that bad. Uh, she wasn't paying her rent. It was a whole deal. But that day, I mean, she had to go get a hotel. We paid for the hotel for her. Um, we're not heartless. We're Christians. It's okay. Uh, we got our storage unit, the whole bit. But that day, the whole day, I mean, she followed us around and she would point at a piece of mail and we're like, can we take this or not? She's like, no, I need that. And we're like, okay, so we'll take it and give it to her. Then we go to a lamp and bottom line, we cleared that entire house out. I mean, we took everything out. We took the carpet out. I mean, literally as this old lady's packing her purse, well, I'm, I got a box cutter cutting the carpet out. Like we were getting out of there. We took everything out of the house so that someone new could move in. And our minds are the same way. Sometimes we gotta get the old junk out of our minds before we can put the good stuff in. While we wait, set our minds on the things that are above. Number three, the last thing, while we wait, hide. While we wait, hide. There's this big word that Christians use for our Christian life, it's called sanctification. It's a big word. It basically means while we're a Christian, you will become more and more like Christ as you go along your Christian walk. 
You'll do it imperfectly, you'll sin, you'll come back to Jesus every time for his forgiveness. But as you grow older, become a Christian, you, start and you slowly start to become more like him. And while we're down here on earth, that is what we're all doing as Christians. We are being sanctified by the Holy Spirit. He's conforming us to the image of his son and we're waiting for Jesus to come back. And sometimes I think about that and maybe I get a little insecure and I'm like, well, maybe I'm just not doing that good a job because I feel like I'm worse this year than I was last year. And I'm like, maybe he's not doing what he's supposed to do. Am I supposed to do it or is the Holy Spirit supposed to do it? Am I supposed to work real hard to get sanctified or is he just gonna like fairy dust and I'm gonna get sanctified? Like, what do I do? And if you're honest, Christians, we live in this pendulum. We live in this swing of one day, it's I'm gonna do it. I am going to do it. It's gonna be me. I'm gonna start the Bible study. I'm gonna do the Bible plan. I'm gonna get better friends. I'm gonna break up with this person and I am gonna get my life back together. And then you do that for a week and it doesn't work. And then we go all the way over to this side of the pendulum and we go, I can't do crap. God's gonna do it or no one's gonna do it. The Holy Spirit better fix me up because I can't, I can't do it. And we pray and we pray and we wait and we wait and we pray and we go, God, you have to do it. I can't do it. And I don't know about you, but I live in this pendulum all the time. God's gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. God's gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. And honestly, at the end of the day, it just, it makes me frustrated. What do I do? And in Colossians 3, it says this word, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. In the book of Jude, uh, it's just a short book. It's like one page. And at the end, uh, the writer just, he's honestly just trying to say goodbye. I don't think he's really saying anything else more special than this. And he says this funny thing. He says, now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. And you're like, yeah, that sounds cool. Like wrap up the letter. Let's move on to the next one. But it says to present you blameless before the presence of God's glory. If you stood before God today and you would put all the good things you've done and all the bad things have you done, you might say that you're a pretty good person. I'm not terrible. I mean, I'm trying to preach. I'm trying to do good things. Like I'm not terrible, I'm not killing anybody. I'd say I'm pretty good, but I would never ever dare to say that I was blameless. I mean, I've messed up, we've messed up. But Jude, he says, to present you blameless before the presence of his glory, and then the last phrase is just weird. It says, with great joy. And I close my eyes sometimes and think about standing before God, and I'm like, all right, rewards time, like I did this, this, and this good, and all this stuff, and you're getting judged and everything. And sometimes I just visualize him smiling and being like, Man, you're saved because of what Christ did. You're blameless. You're justified. You're in heaven, period. And it says our lives are hidden with Christ. We're hidden. We're behind him. So if I have me and I have Jesus and what he did, and I put it like this, anywhere I move, anywhere I go to see, you're only going to see my left hand here. I'm hidden with Christ. And I think about that sometimes and it sounds cool and it, it seems like a good idea. And I'm like, yeah, I'm forgiven. Like the blood of the cross, the resurrection, I got it, I'm forgiven. But day in and day out, do I think I am hidden behind Christ? What Jesus did for me, his death, burial and resurrection, his perfect sinless life that he lived, 
That's what God sees when he sees someone in Christ. I'm hidden behind him. So while we wait, would we hide? Would we hide in the work of Christ? Stop focusing on what we do. Stop focusing on, did I do a bad day, a good day, two steps forward, three steps back, one step this way? I'm hidden. God sees Jesus. In 1 John, it says, just as Christ was, so am I. Just as he was, so my, I heard a pastor, I mean, he was screaming one time. It was pretty cool. I'm not going to try to redo it, but it was cool. He was screaming. He was like, Jesus walked on water. You walked on water. Jesus healed the sick. You healed the sick. Jesus did this. And he was saying, basically, when God sees us, he sees Christ. We are hidden behind him. We're hidden in Christ. I just want to encourage you. This encouraged me so much. I want to encourage you when you're thinking of what is God seeing when he looks at me? I think about that all the time. I think about if God was looking at me right now, would he be pleased? Would he think I was lazy? Would he think that I'm a fraud? Would he think that I did a good deed, but my motives were bad, so it, maybe it really wasn't a good deed? And I'm like, God, honestly, what do you, what do you think? Like, how am I doing? If you could give me like a, a letter grade, a one to 10, I need that right now. And sometimes I get taken back to this verse and he's like, man, I just, I just see Christ. I just see my son. Because the only thing that impresses God is God. It's the only thing that impresses him. And all the time I'm trying to get his attention. I'm trying to do jobs for him. I'm trying to do ministry for him. I'm trying to read my Bible for him. And I'm like, God, would you just look at me? Would you give me affirmation? Would you, am I, are you pleased with me? And he's like, I am pleased because of what Jesus did. And I'm pleased with you because you're hidden behind him. While we wait for Christ to come back, would we just hide? Would we just hide? Some of you tonight, you would be honest and you would say, man, I want to hide so bad. I want to disappear into my room. I don't want anybody to talk to me. I don't want anybody to know what's going on. I'll tell them a certain thing that's going on, but the thing that's actually going on, I'm not gonna tell them. And we, we front with people. We tell them things that they want to hear. And we just wanna hide. I shared uh, about a month ago teaching that a desire of mine since I was a kid, about 14, every now and then when I get insecure, when I get anxious, is just to disappear. I want to go down to Florida. I want to start over. I want nobody to know me down there. I just want a new start. I could be whoever I want. I can be the funny guy. I can be the quiet guy. I can be the ministry guy. I could be this guy. And I can just restart. And no one would have to have their opinion made up of me anymore. I can just be who I want to be. I want to hide. And we do hide. We hide from God. We don't want to talk to God. We don't want to go near God. God is the last thing on our minds. And I am encouraging you guys to hide, to hide in Christ, to hide with him, to hide with Christ. I was uh, on track to go to medical school. And at the last second, God was like, you're a fool. I'm going to take you over here. And uh, decided to do ministry instead. And I worked with middle schoolers. I mean, it was, it was weird. And uh, it was not my idea. It was God's idea. And uh, my parents are excellent, excellent parents. First generation Christians got married, got saved together right when they got married. Um, but when I told them that I was no longer going uh, to be a doctor anymore, I was going to go hang out with middle schoolers in a ministry. They were like dumbfounded to say the least, dumbfounded. And I don't know if you guys have ever told your parents where it's one of these. You see them, 
You know, you're kind of like watching them. You're like, is it a good time? Is it not a good time? Uh, she's kind of doing dishes. He's doing it. I don't know. And finally, like, I just have to go for it. And so I walked in and I sat down on the couch and I'm like, no, I'm not doing it now. And I went back out and I sat down and I did it and I went back and I went back. And then I finally, I'm like, hey, I'm not going to Mexico. I'm going to Bible school. I'm like, okay, bye. And my dad was like, hey, get back here. And then we had it out. Like you have it out with your parents. Why? What are you doing? What about money? What about the future? What about this? And uh, long story short, it didn't end well. It was a bad conversation. And I was like, well, my parents don't want me to do ministry. They want me to chase the money. I don't know. They want me to do something. So I was like, eh, forget them anyway. I didn't really listen to them the last 20 years anyway, so why would I start now? Like, and no, I'm just kidding. But uh, it felt terrible. But then two days later, I think they went and talked to each other. My dad came and he gave me this big, Bible is about this big, and he's like, hey, I think what you're doing is good, and whatever, and then my mom, she's like more of the tender one, the like nurturing one, and uh, she said, hey, I have this passage that I felt like what you were saying was weird, and I don't understand why you're doing it, but God kind of showed me this passage for you, and uh, I want you to read it, and it's in Matthew 6, and Jesus is speaking to this crowd, and he talks about uh, anxiety, and he's challenging these people. He's like, hey, don't worry about what you're going to wear. Don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about where you're going to live. Stop worrying so much. And everybody's like, I wasn't even worrying that bad. But if you're honest, you're, they're worrying all the time. We worry all the time. And he's telling them, stop worrying. Stop worrying. Stop worrying about what's going to happen in the future. And then at the very end, and you've seen this verse all over. You've seen it on signs. You've seen it on Instagram. You've seen this verse. But I just want you guys to think about this verse. Jesus at the end, he says, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek the kingdom of God and Jesus' righteousness. It doesn't say seek the kingdom of God and be righteous. It says seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. At the end of the day, when we stand before God, there's two people. There's people who are in Christ and there's people who are not. And the only thing that's gonna impress God is not our righteousness, but his righteousness. I challenge you guys that while we wait, would we hide in Christ? Let me pray for you guys. <clears throat> Before I pray, I want <clears throat> to read just a little part of scripture that I think will encourage us. Waiting, it seems like, is the most frustrating thing in the world. I don't know what you're waiting for tonight. I don't know what season God has you in tonight. Um, but I empathize with what you guys are going through tonight while you're waiting. Maybe it's something small. You're just waiting on an answer from God. You're waiting on him to show you, man, you just want the next step. Maybe it's something huge. Maybe it's something so big. Maybe you haven't fully put your faith in Christ. Maybe you haven't fully trusted Jesus. You don't fully know if you're going to heaven or hell. And you're waiting on God to show you something. You're waiting on him to prove himself to you. In Isaiah 40, it says, Have you not known and have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. 
He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases their strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary and young men shall fall exhausted. Are you exhausted? Sometimes I'm exhausted, but young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. God, I pray that everyone in this room would wait for you well. That we would wait well. That we would wait joyfully, eagerly, expecting you to move in our lives. God, ultimately, we are waiting for you to come back to get us. We are waiting to go home. But while we wait, would we wait well? Would we seek the things that are above? Would we set our minds on the things that are above? Would we understand and enjoy that our life is hidden in you? God, I pray for everyone in this room that is in a tough season of waiting, that you would strengthen them, that you would encourage them, that you would minister to them right now. God, comfort them. Speak to them loudly and clearly. God, I pray for the people in this room that honestly their lives are just not too bad right now. Nothing really on the agenda, nothing really coming up soon. God, I pray that you would use them as an encouragement to others. That we would find the people who are struggling, that we would find those of us who are weary, ready to faint, exhausted. God, and we would remind them that those who wait on the Lord, you will renew our strength. That is a promise from you. God, thank you for all of your promises, all of your love, everything that you give us that we don't deserve. God, I cannot wait to be home with you and to see you face to face. I pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand as we sing one more song?